You're listening to a podcast of Your Pet Matters with me, Dr. Michael Tequila, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on 1077thebronc.com. Dr. T is at your door. Open your home to the number one pet health care show in Mercer County. 1077 The Bronx presents Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blownberg. Every Saturday morning, Dr. T offers intelligent, informative health care talk with just the right dose of bedside manner, exclusively for our furry friends. If you own a dog, cat, or small mammal and have a question about your pet's overall health, call Dr. T now at 877-900-1077. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by the Pet Wellness Professionals at the Animal Hospital of Kingston and Blownberg. Small hospital, big medicine. For more information online, it's BarkMeOutVets.com. The doctor can see you now. Here's Dr. Michael Takiwa and this week's edition of Your Pet Matters. Good morning and welcome to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Takiwa, and we're coming live from Terhune Orchards. We're here at the Just Peachy Festival. And so come on down, bring your family. This place is phenomenal. It's very family-oriented. Uh, they've got great things to eat, see. There's wonderful animals here. They're kind of cooling in the shade right now, but there's, there's lots of uh, animals to see, great playgrounds. They've got the best pedal car um, uh, system I've ever seen in any place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I almost got kicked off because I wanted to get on there, but there's an age and height limit there. But, but uh, come on down. So we're so um, the station's going to be here today and tomorrow, correct? And it, it's going to be a great, great event. I know the weather's hot, but you can really cool that heat with uh, some apple cider. And for those of you 21 and older, there, there's a there's a wine selection that you can uh, think about. But we're coming here. It's 330 Cold Soil Road here in Lawrenceville. So come on down. Um, it's ironic, as, as always, I talk about what special days or unusual calendar days um, they are of the week, and, and I came across three today. Um, it's Paperback Book Day, and if you recall, we had author Jackie Skoll on, and she wrote a great book about the um, the shelter dog uh, scenario that's going on in the U.S. Um, called Dogland, and you can pick that book up at most of your book resellers and retailers and it is all the proceeds go to help the shelter dogs so so look for that name jackie skull s-k-o-l-e and the book is called Dogland. also today is father-in-law day and um i think i'm going to get mixed reviews on what people think about their in-laws uh, it's it's variable i'm fortunate that i got a great great father-in-law he's a retired uh uh, uh fire chief um, and it's funny because uh, he's a great, great guy. As much as I joke about his frugality with money, that's equally balanced with his big heart. And additionally, his wife spends as much as she can. So it, it just works out, it works out really great. <laughs> and, and finally, it's Cheesecake Day. So um, I don't know if they have cheesecake here, but if they do, it's probably going to be really good. Uh, but it's Cheesecake Day, so um, you know you can grab a slice of cheesecake and enjoy the day. But that, that's the three unusual holidays I came across this week um, for today. And it's, it's been an unusual, uh, exciting two weeks for me. My niece from Canada, uh, Amy's visiting, and she's just finishing high school, and she indicated to me recently a potential interest in the veterinary profession. So uh, I did what any good veterinarian uncle would do, and the first day she spent time at my clinic, I made her clean the floors. And I think that I looked at that as initiation because every vet I know has had to start at that level. And she goes, she goes, I'm cleaning floors. I said, 
I said, listen, and it was so funny because we, we're, we've been visiting uh, centers uh, and, and different vet hospitals, and they all say they started by cleaning cages and floors. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's good. I just wanted to give her that experience. But um, she's been spending time with my associates and myself and learning wonderful things about what we do in a day practice. In addition, we've been driving around the state, um, states. We've been in Pennsylvania as well, um, going to the various referral centers that um, I have connections with, and, and we've had great tours. And, and one of those referral centers, uh, one of the great referral centers, in the area, um, as everyone listening knows about, because they have a great, great uh, marketing machine. Uh, his name is Phil Barnes. <laughs> it's uh, North Star Vets, and their their main hub is located in Robbinsville, and they mm-hmm. recently opened up a satellite in Maple Shade, of which um, all the wonderful guests that I've had on and will have on the future probably will be spending time at both places. Mm-hmm. So, um, so without further ado, I'd, I'd love to introduce my special guest today. Um, I think she holds the same record as Jenny Kim, being on the show multiple, multiple times. Uh, but she's a phenomenal ophthalmologist, um, which to the listening audience, she's a eye specialist for um, pets. And uh, she's, you've been in, geez, how long have you been in North Star? 11 years 11 now. years. So yeah. long before it was called North Star, yes. it was crammed in this building called VSDS. Yeah, and tiny, now yeah. tiny building. It's and, amazing. And and. <laughs> And now uh, they're in a beautiful, beautiful structure um, called North Star in Robbinsville. And um, welcome to the show, Christine Vigantis. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Oh, it's great. It's great having you We have a lot more flies today (laughs) than in the radio studio. (laughs) Lots more visitors. (laughs) That's what organic farming is all about, right? I know. It's fun. Decrease the pesticides. It's funny because the show if just... If I was, hit you, it's not because I'm... <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think Jackie uses the same excuse. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. Well, um, I'd love to talk to you about your history. We've, we've been through this before, but the, you know, we always have a new listening audience and so forth. And, and I'd love to talk to you about your history. And, and you know, typically what I try to get into is... What led to the mindset, or was it genetic? Was it environment? We, you know, you brought your kids here today. We're talking yeah. about what what the yeah. what the influence is on them as as about their decision to go into the profession. Um, but what sort of history did you have? Did you always want it to be a vet? Yeah, you know, it's interesting with your niece making that decision. I think for young people, if they love biology and they may have an interest in medicine, then veterinary medicine is something they should check out. A lot of veterinarians were born sort of knowing they wanted to be vets. It's the only thing. I came to it a bit later, I think. I was in college, and I thought I was going to be pre-med, and we took that comparative anatomy class where you saw the anatomy across the species, and I thought, I really like the cat better. (laughs) 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 We didn't dissect a human, but obviously. But it was just so interesting. I was like, wow, I could get paid for this? Like, amazing. (laughs) So then I just started making those choices to get where I wanted to go. And and today, it's funny because, um, you know, I'm older than you, but but getting into vet school back then was less dramatic in the sense that we didn't have to pack our CV or resume yeah. filled with things. Yeah. And, and today's kids, you know, they have to, they're, they're being told in high school. Well, they're being t- told a couple things. One, one is you really, really need to get, have tons of experience, tons of hours in a vet hospital, et cetera. They're also being told about the uh, work-life issues. And we'll, we'll get yeah. to that later. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. for yourself, so you decide midway through a college degree that this is what you want to do. And, yeah. and so 
you were already in the sciences, but there, was there any other preparatory courses? Did you have to talk to vets? Did you have to spend time with them? I hospital? actually went to Catholic University of America, which is not a big agricultural school, and so I was joined with the pre-med students, and I did the same exact pre-work that they did when when they took the MCAT. I took uh, you know an additional GRE or whatever it was back then. So I just followed their program. Very similar preparation for that application process to college or to vet school. And then you get in. Where did you go to vet school? Um, Cornell. Cornell. Yeah. Uh, upstate New York. Yeah, yeah upstate New York. Um, I guess it's considered the Ivy Leagues of, of vet schools, right? I don't know. It's, it's just New York State College of Veterinary Medicine. It happens to be at Cornell. And I'm very proud. It's a great school. But it was lovely to be there. Beautiful place. Beautiful campus. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of time to study, right? And a lot of time to study because it's freezing. But... We got it done. It was good. It was funny. So I, I went to the Atlantic Vet College. and, and uh, Oh, well, a, you know. So yeah, there you go. A buddy of mine, he, you might know him, uh, Rodney. He's up at the Mid-Atlantic Equine Center. Mm-hmm. He came from Jamaica. Oh, and, his, yeah. and as he was flying in, his dad looked over the window and goes, you're going to get a lot of studying done. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. I did not know that he's from Jamaica. And he went to yeah. Atlantic Vet yeah. College in yeah. Canada. Yeah. That's a vet school yeah. in Canada. Wow. Yeah. So that, that was great. That was great. That was a great statement. But uh, so, <laughs> so, so you go to Cornell and then. Yeah. When did you, you know, just like any other medical profession, you can become a general practitioner, which is what my, I, myself, mm-hmm. uh, I am, mm-hmm. and or you can specialize. Mm-hmm. And in your case, you decided to specialize in ophthalmology. But yep. what led to that? Yeah, so, so you have a one-year rotating internships that's general, and then you have a three-year specialty. So actually, post-university, it's eight years of additional schooling which is a lot. A lot of people don't realize that. And, and when we mention that, that's a big investment. It is a big investment. So And it is a matching program. So It's it is like a matching you, program. You so I went from Cornell to Auburn, Alabama. <laughs> that was a from big change. From extreme cold too. to extreme humidity, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. But it was wonderful. It was great in different ways. There was a lot of collegiality and very warm atmosphere and still a very good training program. So it was wonderful to experience kind of the two different spectrums, kind of super type A running around very hyper and then a lot more relaxed <laughs> down south. I enjoyed both. I enjoyed both. So. Well, you, you, you seem to be the Southern. <laughs> I, I tried to. I learned a lot. I learned how to be friendly ah. <laughs> down there. That clients love it when you walk in and you oh, smile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It sets the whole tone. Absolutely. It sets Absolutely. the whole tone. A lot of people forget that when we're rushing. No, so. that's no, that's that's great. That's a, that's a life lesson right it there. It is a life lesson. Yeah. People forget that they're looking at your face when you walk in. And one lady said, I was so nervous. And then you smiled and it got all better. <laughs> So she was scared about her dog's eye, and it turned out fine. And, and it was interesting, uh, you know, uh, I always Google my guests before to see if there's anything interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and it, it's always you and North Star, you and North Star, but then I saw this this blog, uh, or... Uh, uh, about Lithuanian folk dance? No, 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 no. <laughs> we, we can talk about that, though. That's awesome. Because I think last time you were on the show, you were going to uh, yeah, an event, right? <laughs> you were talking about goats or something. You got the whole thing going, yes. like that. I'm going I don't know. Fast forward two years. <laughs> Still doing the same thing. But um, it was a client, like, they go, do you recommend an ophthalmologist? Yeah. An ophthalmologist. Mm-hmm. And one, someone goes, oh, I recommend Dr. Vigantis because she was so friendly coming into the room. I was mm-hmm. so worried about my, you know. So it makes your, a difference. Oh, especially in your position. You're, mm-hmm. at a, you're at a referral center, so typically the cases you see are, are fairly involved 
mm-hmm. eye medical cases mm-hmm. where, and, and many times the clients don't know you. And people are nervous. Yeah, and they walk in the room, and, and so I think that, that that's a great life lesson. And uh, one of my other guests, Garrett Packinger, he's a, a critical oh, yeah. care, he mm-hmm. said, he calls it the emotional bank. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, people like you can develop a huge emotional bank because you see that client all the time. Yeah. He goes, when they come in the room with me, I have no emotional you bank, and you have to have develop any. that quickly. Exactly. And I thought yeah. that was great. That was great. But yeah. but so so what, what gave you the bug to go towards the eye rather than the yeah. heart or anything else? So I, I first year of vet school in anatomy, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful and so amazing. And then I learned you had to be at the top of your vet school class to get an ophthalmology residency. So then I was like, well, I'll keep trying. And then as the years went on in vet school, it suited me in many ways. I loved horses and wanted to work on horses. You can do that medicine, surgery, do the complete exam, do a wide variety. It was just so great. So I said, I am going to keep trying until I get it. And I did. <laughs> you got a first shot, though, didn't you? Well, kind of, yeah. But... Yeah, yeah. So that means you did very well in school. Well, but, you know, it was a mindset. This is where I'm going to be. So, and I'll just keep working till I get there. That's great. That's yeah. great. And so then after your residency, you then look for job opportunities, correct? Yep. And yep. and we stayed down south for uh, a couple of years. And then when families start happening and you want to get closer to your family of origin and parents start getting sick and you really want to be participating, then we moved back up to the north. So. And you're, you're in a great, so I think advice you'd give to students is is your particular field, like they always say, oh, there's too many surgeons, there's too many yeah, internal medicine, yeah. then I think ophthalmology is a field that, although not it's qu- growing. Not quite yet, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. There we, you know, when I came in, I was um, boarded in 2001, and I was 234. They give us a number. <laughs> uh, and so, and it's for certification purposes, but 234, and now we're in the 600s, I believe. So, in okay, a span so. of 11 years, the since the inception of our college, it's more than double. So, 10, so that's a little significant. over ten per state. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that no, that's interesting. Yeah. So, but I, anyway, I, I, I need to know that for students. One of my one of my receptionists is starting at Colorado mm-hmm. in August, and so she was talking about specialties. I go, so I'm trying to think, I go derm. <laughs> derm. Yeah, derm, and come back and work with us. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll take a little break, and we'll continue our wonderful discussion with Dr. Christina Vigantis, ophthalmologist at North Star Vet. You're listening to Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077thebronc.com. A healthy pet makes for a happy home. Let's try to make your pet's home the happiest out there. Welcome back to Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Listen to Your Pet Matters online at 1077thebronc.com or via your smartphone. Search and download WRRC1 in either Google Play or the Apple iTunes Store. 1077 The Bronx, 1077thebronc.com. Welcome back to Your Pet Matters. We're coming live from Terhune Orchards, 330 Cold Soil Road here in Lawrenceville. Uh, we're happy to be here for the first of two days of Terhune's annual Just Peachy Festival. I keep on saying it with a Scottish accent. I'm sorry. I used to joke about it, but I don't know. <laughs> but, that, but that's what it is. But it's a, it's a great event. They expect a huge turnout. I know it's a little hot and humid today, but there's lots of areas to have shade, lots of areas to cool off and uh, lots of things to see, play, and do around here. Um, if you're just tuning in, my special guest is Dr. Christina Vigantis. She's an ophthalmologist at our friends at North Star Vets. Um, they have a Robbinsville and Mapleshade 
hospital locations. Robbinsville is their main hub. Maple Shade was open in the last in October. October. Yeah, so of 2015. It, so it's a uh, it's it's recently open, but um, they can service that area of the state, which is great. Yeah. Um, and we talked about just in general her her journey to becoming a veterinarian and her journey to becoming a, a veterinary ophthalmologist and um, uh, she has a penchant towards equine as well yep. and it's interesting because you are a consultant for um, the New Jersey Equine Center mm-hmm. as well and, yep. and and you say you do a lot of the, the uh, zoo stuff as well. But recently yep. we've been involved in more zoo animals and that's been very very fun. It kind of mixes things up a little bit, so that's been wonderful. So, so what's the big difference for our listening audience when you're dealing with horse versus um, dog and cat? Mm-hmm. What's the big difference as far as what to expect and medically <clears throat> everything like that? Between people, dogs, cats, horses, the eye is more the same than it is different, so okay. the same kinds of issues can happen. Uh, but in certain species, we see more of, of things. So in horses, there's two big problems that we see. We see scratches in the eye, you know, and you can imagine they're eating from a hay bag and they scratch their eye and it can get infected because they're living outside. There's a lot of bacteria, there's fungus. The other thing it's interesting is an immunological problem where the immune system attacks the inside of the eye and causes inflammation, can cause cataracts, glaucoma. The lay term is moon blindness. And we see a lot of that. That's the number one cause of blindness in horses is moon blindness. Wow. So... So you wouldn't expect that, but people get the same thing, uveitis, and cats and dogs get it. But in certain species, you'll have one issue that seems to be more prevalent or more prominent, and then you adjust it. The other thing that's, you know, just a practical consideration, it is hard to give your horse eye drops I was gonna ask three, you, that was four question, times yeah. a day. Yeah. It, a dog that lives with you, a dog that's cooperative, but a horse is always bigger and stronger. And then getting out to where they live, if they don't live right with you, it, the logistical issues, and it's even magnified more when we deal with zoo animals. A problem can be very difficult to treat because you can't use topical medications. You have to rely on hiding things in their food, and there's only so far you can go. So it's exciting to see these animals but occasionally it's a little sad or frustrating because you can't exactly apply your knowledge a hundred percent so there's different challenges logistical and the zoo vets that that are out there you should have dr bergman on your show if you haven't he's lovely and um very interesting and they really are so dedicated and they work so hard to overcome those challenges so yeah, I think I've reached out to him. He's great. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Maybe you can be a stronger contact oh, okay. for me. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and I that'd think be great. you would enjoy that conversation. Yeah. No, that'd, that'd be great. So, so you have these logistical issues with these with these pets, and so so it's it's funny because you talked about hiding things in food and everything. It's it, typically when we deal with eye treatment for the cats and dogs. Yeah. You know, it's always topical. Exactly. Typically. So when we operated a tiger, and patched up her cornea. It was okay, the surgery and everything, that part is fine, but the aftercare, it was, you know, we did an injection every couple of weeks, but it's not the same thing. You and know, there's you no e-collar treat, you can put on You cannot <laughs> put an Elizabethan <laughs> collar on them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, man. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, these things that you don't think of that we sort of take for granted, but become a huge issue, so. No, that that's just, and, and the, the eye itself is, structurally, it's, a lot bigger. bigger. Yeah, a lot bigger. So so you have to get some instruments that are adapted to equine eyes, horse eyes, or, you know, I don't have any special inc- instruments for tiger eyes yet. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done enough. <laughs> but 
And and for the tiger, it's a sedation exam. Yeah, they have to go every time you want to look at them, even uh, unless you're looking from a distance, you have to completely sedate them. And you have to sedate them heavily, which yeah. it takes a toll on their health, but yeah. it's not safe otherwise. It's just not safe. So the zoo vets are excellent at really taking care of us. <laughs> No, so we don't get hurt. <laughs> Thankfully. Yeah, and then so you, you get the shot of you doing the tiger, right? Mm -hmm. and there's a lot behind that, there's right? There's a lot yeah. behind that. There's a no, lot that's... behind that. The whole blow dart thing, they first say sedate them like that, and then they have the restraint devices, you know, cages and stuff that are mobile and so on. But it's stressful on those animals. They oh, are yeah. not meant for that kind of contact, so it's a big stressor for them. So we try to strike a good balance where it's still good for them and not yet overly stressful well and, and it always blows my mind that you know every time and i'm sure you've said this to me about doing uh sometimes you get a, a chronic ulcer and you have to do what's called a grid keratonic yep. scraping it, it, it blows my mind that you guys can do many of them <laughs> since oh yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah how do they do that <laughs> what kind of dog whispering cat whispering thing are they doing in that yeah but it's, it's that's, funny it's funny the more you do of one thing it's amazing how you can become inventive <laughs> Is there anything that... Like, my spay incisions are like a mile long. <laughs> I'm sure yours are like three centimeters long. People are like, can you spay my dog? I'm like, I can. It'll take me two times as long because I don't do it anymore. But I try to spay one dog and cat a year so that, so that I am still considered a real vet. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What, one vet I know, she, um, she has a great lifestyle. So her husband's a very uh, famous rock musician oh so she uh -huh. travels away with him and uh -huh. when she comes back she'll relief but she also works at a low-cost spay neuter just to keep yeah. her chops up yeah you know so like I, she posts i did 40 spays and neuters today yeah right? there's no yeah. way yeah <laughs> it's like right boom, 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 it's right? amazing yeah. how when you do one thing you really can get very proficient at it well what what's the most difficult surgery you have to face as an ophthalmologist um difficult i, I guess you know a lot of people consider the crown jewel of veterinary ophthalmology cataract surgery. It's become very commonplace, so we do a lot of it. But there, I think we take for granted how many steps it takes to actually become proficient at that. The next forefront of veterinary ophthalmology and where very few places in the country offer this opportunity, I'm hoping to be able to get into that, but we still haven't started yet, is retinal reattachment surgery oh. and taking detached retinas and putting them back. And honestly, um, we've collaborated with human MD ophthalmologists, and they're often astonished at how fragile the dog's eye is and how reactive it is and how much it bleeds and how the techniques that they use commonly just just are way too aggressive oh, yeah. in the dog's eyes. So there are a couple of places I think closest to here is Virginia Beach, and next one is Toronto, where oh. they're doing that surgery. There are some people, actually there's one person in Long Island who's starting. But anyway, so not a lot of people that have had the time to invest in learning those techniques and also the expense in getting that startup equipment. It's amazing. And how is it? You're using laser or using? Yeah, so yeah. there's a variety of techniques. Laser is one part. Once you do get the retina back in place, you um, laser it and spot weld it, kind of. But in order to replace the retina, you have to remove the, all the gel 
from the back of the eye, the vitreous, and then get it to lay down in place with a combination of oils or gas bubbles, oils that are heavier than water, so it's like a steamroller effect. And then, because you can imagine, you can't just take the retina and tug on it. It's like my, um, and another reason that I got into this. Yeah, Yeah. and another reason that I got into this is my uncle is a MD ophthalmologist, retinal surgeon. Okay. And so, you know, it was kind of in the family, and I always thought that was a cool profession. And then when it came time for me to choose, I I guess I was influenced by that. But he he always said it's like operating on wet tissue paper. Yeah. It's so fragile. So you need to invest in camera systems that actually focus in on the back of the eye through the microscope. So it's a big big to do. So. No, that's no, that's great. I hope you yeah. get to do that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm trying, yeah. It's and for our listening audience, the most common causes of retinal detachment are for pets? Um, in cats, high blood pressure, okay. believe it or not. In dogs, genetic predisposition. So certain breeds like Shizus, which are very popular, Italian greyhounds, um, uh, Bichon Frises, all very popular breeds. Italian greyhound we don't see, but they definitely have a breed predisposition. Structurally, they're just not as strong in the back of the eye. And the retina just falls off. Oh, man. And they're blind. I had a one-year-old that people traveled to Virginia Beach, and it was a one-year-old Italian greyhound blind in both eyes from retinal detachments. So... And thankfully, we caught it like within a day or two, and they went, and, and he is seeing some, so which is wow, really nice. yeah. Which so is it's nice. acute blindness for the client. Like the clients will see that their pet. A is lot blind. of times, they miss the first eye because they're doing so well seeing from the other eye, and then when the second eye goes, so most commonly you have a chronic and a sudden, you know, a long term detachment and a sudden. But this dog was so young, it was barely had time to be chronic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, He's running in the walls like yeah. yesterday's fine. Yeah. yeah. No, that's no, that's a great story. Y'all, I, I hope you get to do that because yeah. I think that that is huge. It is huge. That yeah. is huge. And I, well, why don't we take a break now because I want to talk to her about, I, I know you're working with uh, Dr. Clinton now, right? He and actually I, has just retired. Oh, yeah, geez, because so. I was going to, okay, yeah. but I'll, I'll talk to you about the, how the, the history yeah. and, yeah, and how yeah, things exactly. have changed. Yeah, how things exactly. have changed. Yeah. Okay, we'll take a short break right now. You're listening to Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077, thebronc.com. A healthy pet makes for a happy home. Let's try to make your pet's home the happiest out there. Welcome back to Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blownberg. Listen to Your Pet Matters online at 1077thebronc.com or via your smartphone. Search and download WRRC1 in either Google Play or the Apple iTunes Store. Thanks for listening to Your Pet Matters. We're coming live today from a special broadcast from Terhune Orchards. Don't forget to bring your family down here. It's the Just PC Festival. It's running today and tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's 330 Cold Soil Road here in Lawrenceville. Um, it's a great day for, uh, for family fun. Um, like I said, uh, the very initiation of the show was they've got these great areas for kids to play. They got this great pedal car area. There's uh, there's great shops here. There's lots of great things to eat and drink, and uh, cute animals to look at, and just walk around. It's it's a, it's a great place. So so come on down. Um, it was funny. The 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 odor of the place came over. She was talking to me about how they're, they're practicing great organic farming uh, practices, mm-hmm. and, and and she was describing. She goes, since you're doing an animal show, I want to tell you about the animals here. And they, hmm. they have some guinea hens here, and she said you're going to see a bunch of guinea. Hens running around because their job what they get paid for is they get to eat all the ticks around here which I yeah. think is great yeah because we live in Lyme Central and and mm-hmm. ticks ticks are one of the insects that scare the heck out of me you know because I know what Lyme disease can do um, I don't know a single family that that's raised in New Jersey that hasn't had someone have some serious illness with respect to Lyme disease and I've seen what it can do in the past so so guinea hens yay 
I just see them over there. I, I, I was strongly considering owning some myself, but I'm just afraid that they're going to get, you know, swooped down. Yeah, it's funny because mm. I, I live on one acre, and mm-hmm. I just found out a couple months ago that I can have chickens and mm-hmm. goats. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking... Mm. <laughs> guinea hens. Yeah, yeah because sure. I, I think I think it's funny, but there are there are these wonderful hawks that fly around yeah. and, and do yeah. things. So they're so we'll they're see. sitting targets. Yeah, we'll we'll see. So, but but you know we'll, we'll see how things go. But um, b- before the break, if you're just tuning in, my special guest is Dr. Christina Vigantis. She's a veterinary ophthalmologist, which is an eye list, and she does everything so she does cats dogs she has a um she loves the horse um horse ophthalmology medical field as well so she does a lot of things um uh, north star has a great relationship it's a popcorn zoo right or is it Wait, zoos popcorn, park yeah, zoo, popcorn yep, park zoo and turtleback zoo turtleback and zoo. cape may zoo oh so all the zoos point pleasant aquarium <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, all, yeah all we've been zoos. all over the place oh yeah. that's great that's great and so uh so they're getting a lot of experience they're having a lot of fun um you know bringing better quality of life to these animals. And before the break, I mentioned, uh, you know, you said Dr. Clinton is retiring. And, and yeah. when, I was, when I was looking at the roster at North Star, it, it's interesting because he comes from a generation that he, he started one of the first mm-hmm. ophthalmology uh, mm-hmm. clinics in, in the state. And, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to ask you how much, I know technology as far as the instrumentation yeah. has advanced incredibly, but in your opinion, how is the actual, um, the eye medicine evolved. Yeah, a lot. Um, so just for the, the listeners, Dr. Clinton was um, one of the original members of the College of Veterinary Ophthalmology, so that he was one founding member, and he was initiated in the 70s and um, had a ophthalmology practice, a veterinary ophthalmology practice in central Jersey, Medford, for since then. So, you know, 40 years um, wow. plus. Yeah. And uh, since he merged his practice with ours and now is retired, and um, back in the day, what they were really relying on was um, very little cataract surgery was being done, common treatments for uh, very prevalent conditions like dry eye, that those had not yet been developed. A lot of the surgical techniques that we've perfected and under the microscope surgery. Um, so there's been a lot of things that have changed. But, but the truth is the essentials, the basic eye exam, which is the starting point for everything that follows is the same. So it's interesting to see the old blend with the new. You know, and, um, and we, as we take things forward, you always come back to the basics. So it was a good learning experience for me. And, and yeah. with respect to the basics, for any listening, you know, young vets out there or day practitioners, yeah. what, what would be your best advice of doing a good eye exam yeah. in the room so they can pick up things that they, you know, probably have to give you a call on many of the things, but things yeah. that they could just pick up so we're, we're detecting disease early in the two, eye. For, for the veterinarians out there, two basic um, pieces of advice. First, to do a complete eye exam. It just takes a little extra time, but if there's any abnormality in the eye, I would do a test of the tear production, a Schirmer tear test to make sure that the eye is adequately producing tears. Check for an ulcer with a fluorescein stain and check a pressure. And then look into the back of the eye. If you do those four things, then you ca- catch most of the problems you're going to find. And then um, uh, for the owners that are out there that are just looking at their pet, wondering if it has an eye problem, the eye manifests disease with much of the same symptoms over and over again. A red eye, so the white part of the eye is more red than it should be. The surface of the eye is 
not clear anymore, it's a little cloudy or has a cloudy spot, if your pet is holding its eye closed, that means that eye is bothering him. That's how the eye shows pain. They don't cry all the time. They don't whimper. They'll hold their eye closed. If there's a new discharge from the eye, is it more tearing or maybe, you know, some, some matter coming out of the eye, what people call matter or mucus? And then if there's a change in vision, if he's more clumsy, if he's bumping, is he getting disoriented? Those are the things that are watching for. And a lot of the diseases manifest with those symptoms. So a scratch in the eye, dry eye, glaucoma, cataracts, they'll show one of those symptoms or several of them. So if the you know you notice one of these things in your pet's eye, that's when you should bring them to your general vet and they can if they're not comfortable handling the problem, send them on along to us. No, that's great. That's great yeah. advice. Because um, I was thinking like, you know, the, the standard protocols to have a light source and magnification, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then you're good to look inside the eye. And, 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 and honestly, the more you look, the more comfortable you'll be with abnormalities. So a lot of people skip over that part, but if if you set it to be your goal for this year, I'm going to do a better eye exam and look at every eye that you have. Not with all those four tests, just look. You, you'll start getting a feel for what's normal and what's abnormal. And it's funny. I'm sure you get a lot of vets calling you with questions that you're thinking, okay, this is something that you could simply do there, or this is something that's that's majorly wrong. Well, yes and no. I mean, sometimes you'd be surprised that this, what your impression is over the phone is a little different. So with Optho, it's very visual so sometimes you really just have to see it (laughs) you know (laughs) to see it to believe it see it to understand what's happening yeah it's very visual why don't we talk about glaucoma a little bit and 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 what you know our treatments are for that um so the treatments for glaucoma primarily are medical um initially and then if the if the medicine has failed it's surgical therapies with laser. There's a new technique that's being developed with laser inside the eye. Um, it's a much more invasive procedure, but hopefully as the technique gets perfected, we can see better success rates. Overall, glaucoma is a very difficult disease to treat in dogs. It's different than the experience most people have with their family member or themselves where glaucoma tends to be a slowly progressive condition. In dogs, it's a much more aggressive condition. It has to do with the angle conformation where fluid's flowing out of the eye. So people have open angle glaucoma. Dogs tend to have narrow or closed angle glaucoma, which is a much more aggressive form. So people aren't used to when their dog is diagnosed with glaucoma, having to drop everything and run to, you know, get treated for it, they have that mindset that it's, oh, you know, I'll get to it in a couple of weeks, which in, unfortunately 95 times out of 100 is inadequate. Now, prognosis is still guarded with treatment, but okay. hopefully with the, the new medical therapies that are being developed and some of the surgical therapies with lasers to reduce fluid production or help fluid flow out of the eye, hopefully we'll get better. But that is probably the toughest condition that we treat. And, and what's your view about um, tonal pens and tonal vets and everything yeah. like that? So Just- I think, yeah, so I think that more practices should start viewing that as basic equipment because you can start screening earlier on. Uh, there are two different devices, the Tonopen and the Tonovet. Both have been shown to be adequate and, and very good at diagnosing intraocular pressure. And then I think it's a matter of which you feel more comfortable with, which one you like better. Do you have one of those? I got the, what's the drumming one? Tono? Tonopen. Tonopen. Yeah. 
Do you like it or I, hate I it? I love Most it. People, okay, good. I, a lot I love of people because, either love it or hate it. I mean, so <laughs> they're like, I can't get it to work. Yeah, but it's funny because to me, it's like I don't have to worry about any you know previous anesthesia or anything yeah. like that. And I just get there, yeah. and as long as I can get my six, I'm good to go, and I like it. Yeah. But I, I, you know, it's funny that what would your recommendation be? So for for just a regular checkup or senior wellness type thing. Is there a specific age you would you would say, hey, you should really start checking pressures on a regular basis at pets when they reach this age? Yeah, you know, there was a study that was done. Unfortunately, it wasn't in dogs; it was done in cats, and they found that screening was very low yield. Mm. So I don't think that that applies to dogs. I think what applies to dogs is in breeds at risk for glaucoma, like beagles, cocker spaniels, chows, sharpays. Um, Basset hounds. Those breeds, I don't think it's a Boston Terriers. Oh my gosh, they're huge for it. Okay. Uh, st- I would imagine starting at around six or seven, including that as part of the senior. senior. There is okay. definitely some uh, validity to that. On the other side, any eye that's red or irritated, a pressure check is indicated. You'd be surprised. Sometimes I'm surprised by what I find, and I take it like 42 times just to make sure, but it's prob- it's real. Okay. You know? And okay. compare it to the other eye and make sure, but, yeah, it's um, sometimes it's real. So And you're catching it early, which is good, before it looks like a classic glaucoma <laughs> eye. <laughs> and, and how do you feel about the eye pressures being reflective of blood pressure? What's your what's your? Yeah, no, we, we there, there are a lot of protective mechanisms to protect protect the eye from pressure spikes. So the manifestations of high blood pressure that you'll see in the eye are more that the blood vessels start getting leaky and the retina detaches. So um, systemic blood pressure may affect eye pressure a little bit, but not, I, I always tell people, Otherwise, all the stockbrokers on Wall Street would be blind because they're all stressed out, you know. <laughs> so there are protective mechanisms to help keep that separate. It doesn't really okay. make a big, big change. Okay, a little, but not a lot. Okay, that's good for me now, too. So, so yeah. I'm, I'm creating protocols in my mind right now. Yeah. I'm talking to you or anything like that. Okay, what we'll do is is after the break, why don't we talk about something I think is very important in the veterinary profession. We're talking about work-life balance, mm-hmm. the stress. There's, there's a lot of things in the news about how these stresses have really affected the life and taking of life mm-hmm. in the veterinary profession. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we'll take a break, and you're listening to Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077thebronc.com. A healthy pet makes for a happy home. Let's try to make your pet's home the happiest out there. Welcome back to Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blumberg. Listen to Your Pet Matters online at 1077thebronc.com or via your smartphone. Search and download WRRC1 in either Google Play or the Apple iTunes Store. Welcome back to Your Pet Matters. We're coming live from Sir Hune's Animal Just Peachy Festival. It's running today and tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. right here on 330 Cold Soil Road in Lawrenceville. So come on down and have a good time. Uh, we're having a good time with my special guest, Dr. Mm-hmm. Christina Vigantis. We, we've talked about her journey into the world of veterinary medicine and ophthalmology. We talked about a lot of medical issues with ophthalmology, how the profession has changed. And, and now we're going to switch gears a little and just talk about, in, in general, and I think this applies to anyone, anywhere, with any sort of profession or any job. Um, is just work-life balance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everyone has a different handling mm-hmm. mechanism. Um, our concern for, the, for those people who can't handle it and what, what sort of opportunities they have. But, but how, how do you do it? How do you balance your work? Well, your I mean, life? nobody's perfect, and so I don't know that I have the answer. But I do have to say I feel very blessed in both my family life and in my professional life. And I think... Um, um, 
a big part of that is um, really being able to just pick a couple of things that you're going to focus on and not have to be everything to everybody. Uh, it is difficult to say no, um, but I think um, sometimes you have to just to stay balanced and be present. And everybody has a different energy level, and but so being aware of that. I also think that, you know, sometimes unplugging from all these social media outlets, I've looked at Facebook a lot less in the past year, and I honestly don't miss it. I really don't. And uh, I think it makes you a little less crazy yeah because you go what's you know? going on now what's going on yeah now? What's going no on now? Yeah. and you can yeah. just relax and go what's going on now between the person that's right in front of me so i think that helps a lot um and um i think in our profession we have a mix of very dedicated very caring people that are perfectionists and that are very committed to doing a good job in most cases and they're f faced with emotional trauma on a daily basis we meet it's amazing how you have to transition from seeing a healthy happy doing well patient and then go thankfully in ophthalmology not that often but go straight into the next room and be with someone who is losing their best friend and the emotional trauma that comes from that. And that happens four or five times during the day. And in order to be real during that process, it takes a lot out of the people. It really, really does. And either, you know, unfortunately you close it down a little bit or you really have to give yourself some time to process that, you know. So in our profession in particular, I think it's a big issue. No, that's good. Would you, big would, would you consider yourself a workaholic? Would you um, you know, that's like? the thing. I really love what I do, so I think that's also very important. Um, people will be like, you're here on a Saturday again? And I'm like, I don't mind. I love what I do. And I make a point of putting it in between things that, you know, the commitments I have with family. And, and then I don't overcommit to a million other things. Like, I've never baked cookies for the kids Sorry, guys. <laughs> Not once. Her, her boys are here. But right I do go to playground duty once a month and see them play and meet all their friends and so on. But no cookies for me, guys. Sorry. <laughs> we'll stop for ice cream on the way home. <laughs> That's how it goes. You know, you, everybody has to pick their things and... It's okay. It's you really okay. You have to hit okay. the purple cow after this, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> we're going to go in the store oh. here. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, things. sorry. They have amazing okay. things here. Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. No, um, but I mean, everybody comes up with their own answers, but I don't feel like I'm a workaholic because I love what I do. I love it. I really do. I love it. That's so. good. That's great. <laughs> and you love your son. Yeah. <laughs> and they right come now. with me. They come with me to work a lot of the time, so it's fun. And you guys don't really want to be vets? <laughs> uh, kind of was the answer. <laughs> That's awesome. How old are you, Lee? I'm nine. Okay, you got plenty of time. Plenty, plenty of, time. of time. You can decide to be a vet yep. and change your mind five times. Yep. No. <laughs> <laughs> only five, five times. Because yeah. <laughs> you got to have it figured out by sophomore year of high school, <laughs> so we can get you in the right school. And no, I'm just kidding. That's the other thing. Like a lot of these vet students that come through, they're like really wanting to. I think there's a natural rhythm to life that happens 
despite all that stress that we put on ourselves and you plan for all these things and then something happens and it changes and you know there's a greater wisdom out there that's not created by our own you know planning sometimes so and what's your take on so I'll, I'll, I had two high school students over the last six months approach me and say you know I wanted to be a vet till I went to a talk and they talked about the financial yeah, the, the financial, financial burden, burden you will yeah. have the, yeah. the supposed initial income you will have yeah, and how right. that that is it's so disproportionate much different yeah. than any other profession you want I, I would say things like well that that's where you go to if you can get family to help you get through yeah. that's the best way um, but is this if this is something you really want to do then ultimately you should you should look at avenues about doing that and you know, yeah. uh, hopefully the next administration will work on debt-free education yes I think exactly. that'll be awesome I think yeah, that that'll be exactly. really good so everyone benefits from that um, yeah. but so what what did, what would you say to someone like that like what kind of experience have you went through as far as because uh, you talked about there's eight years post veterinary school yeah. about becoming a specialist yeah. and I joke that's when you eat dirt right for your yeah, meals right, right. that that's that's the type of lifestyle you have so what, what, what sort of experience that you have that you can give advice to someone who's in, in high school saying I, I think that. a good piece of advice in the veterinary schools are pretty adamant about having the vet pre-vet students spend time practically spending time with veterinarians to get not only experience but to see what the field is like and I think a lot of people have a different conception when they say I want to be a vet with what the life is like and so a the time is well spent learning what that lifestyle is like and you may fall in love with it even more or you may see mm, you know what it's not not for me and you may not want to go just to a specialty practice like ours which is a little bit out of the norm but spend some time in some general vet practices and talk to those people who are experiencing it and making it work and finding out is this something that I think I can do so that's that and then I would also say really if you love it the money figures itself out you know if if you're a hard-working person and you love what you're doing you'll find that you won't mind working more or different ways or creating like new ways to do things if it's actually something you love so um, I I think I've been very lucky that you know I do what I love and the money has figured itself out even during very challenging times and and unexpected changes but it does figure itself out no that's great advice yeah and, and the other aspect of the other aspect of this this work-life balance is the actual the team itself yeah you know and um, there are there are I, I see so many different varied faces and everything like that and one thing I have to say about North Star is is in my travels and visiting a lot of these places um, within the first two minutes you get a sense of the culture of the practice yeah you get a sense of if the team is actually happy or not yeah. you really get that very yeah. quickly and I've been the places where it's evident the North Star is one of those places that yeah. you know people I get that I get that happy sort of feeling yeah. so mm -hmm. so as a as a practitioner how do you help the team continue with their work-life balance because clearly they're the ones that deal with you know there's some clients who the treat stress. them different than yes. us yeah and, and you know there's but you know front desk is the first line of defense etc all these different things that happen so how, how or what advice would you give someone yeah in that you know i mean i don't think that's an easy um answer question what i uh, just myself because i'm not in charge there but i am definitely a player i try very hard to treat the people that I'm working with with respect and kind words actually mean a lot um, because it's that when they've gone that extra mile and worked really hard and then they get snapped at that they're 
their their whole spirit gets dampened and so that's a small very but it's a tangible thing you can do to thank everybody at the end of the day and not be snippy with them during during the procedures and i think that builds on itself i the nurses that i've worked with have been so giving of their time and of their energy and i've always been so grateful um but hopefully it's you know the the way we treat each other and then we can always lobby the boss for a higher salary. <laughs> like you should pay them more. Really. You should. <laughs> well, you have tangible evidence, right? You go, this is why. This, this is, is why. why. They, yeah. they call out less, they're happier. Yeah, no. It's 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 a given. So so that that's great advice. I, I really appreciate that being candor and everything like that with all this stuff. So um well, you know, time has flown. We've Yay. we've had a great time with Thank you, you again, so much. Christina. Um you know so so people, if you want to learn more about Christina Vianantis, um, at or North Star itself, because she's one of many specialties there. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's a great ophthalmologist. I kid you not. She's a great ophthalmologist. So so uh, you know definitely, if your veterinarian needs to refer you to someone, North Star Vets, you can reach them at www.northstarvets.com. Um, so on behalf of Dr. Christina Vigantis, Jackie Bree, Matt. Everyone here, Matt, 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 donuts. Oh, I was supposed to say donuts. We had the uh, cider donut, right? Mm. That was great. They are that very was delicious. Great. I'm kind of high on the sugar right now, so it's good. <laughs> it's good stuff. But on behalf of everyone here, remember, everyone, love your pet like they love you, unconditionally. Have a great day. Thanks for inviting Dr. T into your home this morning. You've been listening to Your Pet Matters, the number one pet health care show in Mercer County. Your next appointment is scheduled for next Saturday at 10 a.m. Tune in to hear Dr. Michael Takiwa of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg, along with his expert guests as they share their knowledge and experiences. There's never a charge for this visit. Dr. T's advice for a happier, healthier pet is free every Saturday on the Bronx. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by the pet wellness professionals at the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Small hospital, big medicine. For information online, it's BarkMeOutVets.com. And don't forget to like the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg on Facebook.